Today is Testimony Sunday. With yeah, it's been a few months. We we uh, we've been a little chaotic and crazy, and haven't had the the the, the follow through on that for a little while. But we want to follow through with this. Who knows that God is still alive, right? He's not dead. He's still alive. And if the nature of God is to move in the midst of his people, who knows that if we're his people, we should have a testimony of something. God's moving. He's alive in our lives. He's, he's operating in and around us. It's just if we're being intentional enough to cooperate and intentional enough to watch and to listen. So Testimony Sunday, we do this for a few reasons. One, it builds our faith, right? When I hear what God has done in someone else's life, I'm encouraged, I'm strengthened and, and reignited that he can do it in my life. If I hear that they're going through the same struggles, the same, the same humps that they I couldn't get over and they they did, it encourages me that God can do it in my life. The other thing it does is it gives glory to God. Who knows that God is a jealous God and he doesn't want anybody else getting glory for what he does. Right? And so whenever God moves in our lives and we don't speak out about it, we're still in his glory. And I don't want to be on the theft end of God. Don't want to do it. I want to give him the glory that's due to him. And thirdly, we do it because Revelation 12, 11 says that they believers overcame him, Satan, by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. What we are doing, we're coming to agreement that the word of God says that God still heals. God still restores. God still mends. God still provides. God still moves. God still speaks. And here's how he did it in my life. And I'm giving testimony about it. We overcome the enemy through our testimonies. So we want to give glory, we want to build faith, and we want to destroy the enemy here today. Amen? So we're going to give opportunity for testimony. So anybody over the last few months, since we're getting caught up here, have something that you want to share about what God has done in and through your lives? Seth, yeah, I'm happy to come up so online can hear. <laughs> it's very possible. Hi. <laughs> no, no, it really wasn't a lift. It was me not lifting my leg. <laughs> no, no, it wasn't because of me. Uh, so last few weeks, I've been without a job. I've been looking, I've been applying, and I was waiting until I found the right one. I've, I've been uh, offered a few of them on the spot, and I kind of said, I'll, I'll figure it out. I went into a job interview last Friday and uh, wasn't real, real confident about the interview because I questioned something they did. And sometimes people don't like it when I question them. But uh, as I was leaving, I saw a prayer request box on the secretary's table. I'm like, all right, all right, God, <laughs> let's see if they call me back. And so I started Friday. And so. Having income and provision is a big deal. Um, so when God provides, we want to give glory to him for that. Who else has a testimony? Something that God has done in your life, whether he's revealed something to you, speaking something to you, mended something, healed something. Okay, Ms. Donna, come on. If you have popcorn, go ahead and make it. You've got time. All right, silly. Um, no, I was just, actually yesterday, um, some of us were talking about um, 
one thing about, you know, when you go to a job, it's so easy to complain about your job. And uh, there's always things to complain about. Um, but you know, what God brought to me yesterday, the most wonderful perk about my job, because I work retail, so I'm with the public, and I get to share Jesus with everybody. And I get to share him either in actually talking about him or in just in the way that I, I, uh, I act towards people. But anyway, we're called to love. We all know that. We're all called to love. And, and so I get to tell people, God bless you all day long. God bless you. God bless you. You have a good day. God bless you. You have a good day. And just the other day, one of the ladies, I was, I cut fabric, amongst other things, at Hobby Lobby. And um, I got through cutting her fabric and folded it up and gave her a ticket. And I said, honey, God bless you. You have a wonderful day. And she says, you know what? She, she turns around as she's walking away. She goes, I am very blessed today and you are part of it. You know, and it's just, it blessed me so much that, you know, that I get to do these things because I've been able to pray with people. Sometimes when they're talking while I'm cutting their fabric, for they, they, they share their woes with me and they share things that are going on. And I've been able to hold people's hands. And when I pray for people, I, I pray out loud. And, and uh, we, we stand and, and we pray together in public. And I think that's just a really kind of a wonderful thing about my job that I get to do those things. Amen. Amen. Anybody else constantly looking for opportunity to share Jesus at your job? If not, I want to encourage you to. I want to encourage you to. Who else has a testimony, something you want to share, what God's been doing? Ms. Blaine. Can I just say that I'm encouraged that the first three have been my board members? I love that. I'm encouraged by that. Mine's more of a praise and a thank you, Jesus. Um, is many of you know, I almost lost my son last year, right about this week. And it was an emergency flight home. Um, but by the grace of God, Brandon is alive and well, and he's ministering to others, even though he doesn't know because he's still questioning. He was brought up in his church. He's been very active, but he is ministering to others and has helped others that have gone through what he's going through. And uh, I just praise God that he's here. Amen. Who else? Something that God's been doing in your life that you want to share and give glory to? Mr. Ron. I'm helping you all get your steps in today. You know, um, we've testified before about my uh, fight with cancer, and, and Donna had a friend call her or emailed her here a while back, said he was concerned because the doctor thought he had prostate cancer, and he, he says, my numbers are like seven and eight, and Donna wrote him back, says, don't worry, he said, we can take care of that. He says, you know, Ron's was 544 a year ago, and, and uh, but anyway, I've been on hormone therapy, and God has blessed me in many ways. And and even before I started the medicine, my numbers came down drastically. 
but I go in every three months now and, and to see the doctor. I still do the lab work regularly, so they monitor that. But uh, but I went in last Tuesday, and the, the nurse called me the day the next day and said, uh, "Ron, your PSA score." And for people who don't know what PSA score, that's prostate specific analysis. But anyway, it has to do with your prostate. And he said, "Ron, your your numbers are so low, we can't even pick them up anymore." So I just praise God that he's working in my life. You know, I know it can feel like a hassle when you have to go to the hospital every three months, but man, to me, that's an ongoing testimony you get to share. Every three months, you get to shock the medical minds of this generation and retell them that God is good and he's a greater healer than you are. Um, amen. Amen. Um, anyone else? testimony you want to share about what God's been doing in your life. I know, Mike, if I stare down, I know somebody will raise a hand. All righty, come on, Tim. Yeah. I'll take that as a compliment. I was sitting over here, and I've, I've actually really missed um, testimony Sundays, but um, I was sitting over here praying about it. It's just like, it's been such a wild few months that it's just like, where, what do I share, God? <laughs> what do I share? I mean, there's been massive financial provision. Um, just absolutely amazing. I'm talking like thousands of dollars of just money out of the blue where it's just like, and it's just, it's been an awesome season of just trusting in God and going, you know what? You know, I've had a, a property tax bill that was like 1479 and I'm like, that one's yours, God, because I don't have it. And then my tax return was fourteen ninety five. You know, just different, different stuff like that. It's just, uh, it's just fun to walk into this season where it's just like the word is absolutely one hundred percent real. And when we stand on His promises, we just see it come to fruition over and over again. We've done a, a healing class here. We're walking through, you know, basic training and prophetic ministry and all this stuff. And it's just like we're getting to walk out and see the miraculous. We've been going through the book of Acts and just seeing that come to fruition in my life. And I was just thinking about over the last just few weeks, how just a few different testimonies. And I was trying to think, you know, privacy wise, what to share and what not to share and chronologically and all that kind of stuff. But um, just learning the power that we have to pray, the power that we have to bind and loose and to speak to the mountain, not only in my own personal life, but, you know, for example, I don't know. I don't know if I should share some of these. Um, they're good. I'm trying to decide if, if it's good or not. Um, we'll go and you guys can shut me down if it's not good. Um, just just the power of prayer. I go on a call. There's a gentleman. He's a former former Marine. And he's down on his luck. And he's like, you know, I'm going to turn on all the gas in my house, strip down nude, and I'm going to either asphyxiate or blow myself up. I'm a cop, if you didn't know. That might have been a weird story. Um, and I show up on the scene, and it's, it's interesting, because the word says, you know, where our feet go, God has given us that to you know what I mean? And it's like, well, my feet are here, Lord, so what is it that you're wanting to do? And uh, he's been really pulling me into this spiritual warfare and, and learning how to pray effectively and, and what we're actually capable of. And it's just been, been blowing my mind, because... We we're talking, and he's refusing to let us in. Well, then finally, Fran, he, he lets us in. We're talking to him, but it's still the, you know, I'm going to take your gun. I'm going to 
I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna do that. I'm not cooperative, not going to the hospital, not doing any of that. And just, it was awesome because this is, I'm from me to Donna away, and uh, I didn't even have to pray out loud. I'm just praying, I'm praying in the spirit, silently to myself, and I'm just going after it. It's like, I silence every lying voice of the enemy over this man right now. Any unclean spirit coming against him, I, I silence, I paralyze you in Jesus' name, and I'm, I'm praying peace over it, I'm just going after it. And just moments later, he's like, I realize that might seem weird to some people, but I'm just like, Holy Spirit, give him peace right now. And he his head to the bottom of his feet. And moments later, a shift happens, and he's just like, okay, I'll go. Get stressed, no problem. And she knows what I'm talking about. And uh, we go outside, and there's six police units out there. And I'm like, somebody asks him, you know, what, what car are you going to ride? He's like, that one. Guess which one he pointed at? Mine. And so we get to talk about Jesus on the way to the hospital. I got to pray with him. His, his life had been so off track. He had so many just, uh, suicidal thoughts and attempts and, and everything else like that because he had a jacked up view of who God was. We got to talk about that. I got to pray. He's crying. I'm crying. You know? But that's my Sunday. I mean, that's just, but the power that we have over prayer over environments when we really step out and press into what we're capable of. That's one. Um, another one <clears throat> this one was really good too um in an interview long story short drugs got smuggled into the jail we find it we're interviewing the guy and uh, he admits that he's a uh, an ounce of wheat an ounce of methyl wheat user which that is insane well, outside but he got sent he got sanctioned to do some days in jail and while he was in jail he's like i know i'm gonna go through withdrawals i don't want to deal with that I'm going to bring this in to hopefully let me, let me through it. And he was really open and honest about it. He just kind of broke down and he was just like, uh, this addiction is just ruined his life. This one hasn't tricked me. But I have to share these because I'm like, guys, we, we've got to expect We're so much more capable of what we give ourselves credit for or give God credit for even. So I find out, because my boss is kind of running primary and uh, on the interview, and I'm sitting there, and I'm like, all right, God's going to give me an opportunity. I know he's going to give me an opportunity. So my boss gets done, and um, I start talking. I was like, well, you know, we're, we're men of faith. That's a big part of our life. You know, like, you have faith. And he's like, well, I'm, I'm Buddhist. I'm like, well, I'll tell you what. I was like, I don't know about Buddha, but my God can take addiction. And he just kind of looks at me, and so I start just... Just sharing with them some testimonies about some different things and walking people through um, healing in those areas and all those sorts of things, getting delivered from those things. And uh, I was like, the trick of it, he finally agreed to let me pray for him about his addiction. And he says, essentially, um, I, I told him the truth. I was like, the trick is this if you don't want to be free, you're not going to be free. But do you want to be free? like yes I do. So I walk him through repenting and renouncing the addiction and, and those things and, and I pray for him and I'm just going after. I go after the addiction, I go after the symptoms, the withdrawal symptoms, I go after any effects it's had on his body in the long term and uh, it's interesting because he was, uh, during the interview, he's going through, with, he's actively going through withdrawal symptoms. He's sweating, his body's achy, he's got all these things physically going on. And I, I pray for him, and we get done, and I, as soon as I start to pray for him, he is just bawling, just sobbing. You know, I can tell the Holy Spirit's just moving on, really big. And uh, I pray for him, and I sit down, and I start, I was like, this is an opportunity. He's Buddhist, but he needs Jesus. So 
I started talking to him and he wasn't quite ready to receive and we're kind of going back and forth and I was like, did you realize you're not even sweating anymore? Dude, he's like, yeah, it's really freaking me out right now. His guys, when he says speak to the mountain, speak to the mountain. It's not, it's like you got the same Holy Spirit inside of you that raised Jesus from the dead. Same one, not a junior Holy Spirit, not a beginner level Holy Spirit. It's the same one, but the trick of it is if we don't believe it, if we're not going out and standing on it and declaring it and speaking it, we're not seeing things move. Um, the sin, we haven't really talked about the sin. That was an awesome testimony. Our kids got to witness that. I mean, that was a massive move of God in this area. That's going to be a catalyst for so many things. Um, and unfortunately, your kids got tired and had to go. They, they really were troopers out in the sun all day, and it was long days of 12 hours. Um, but at the end, it's like you got a Chiefs stadium built for to be an idol for a football team. And you've got, a, I don't know how many thousands worshiping. And Todd White's up there, and he's doing his thing. And I don't know if you know Todd. He's amazing. But my kids, and I love that they got to see this, is hundreds getting healed of deaf ears and injuries and all this stuff. And I'm like, my kids got to see that. Awesome. And then, talking about kids, I'm, I'm, you guys gave me the mic, so you have to put up a few things. Um, speaking. Um, kids, so my, my kids are just amazing, and Bowen challenged my, um, he challenged my faith um, while we were at the Send, um, there was a gentleman, he was working, um, he, was, he was a volunteer, and he was in a wheelchair, and I could tell, and it challenged my faith, and it, it, looking back on it really frustrates me, but I love my son. Because I could see, not only was he in a wheelchair, but his legs were severely atrophied. And it challenged me because I haven't stepped out to that level yet. And I'm like, ah, I see him. I know my kids see him because they're like a hawk for this stuff. And I'm like, oh my gosh, it's challenging me. He's laughing at me, it's true. And uh, I'm kind of like, well, you know. And uh, Bowen's like, hey, you need, need to go pray for him. And I'm like, yeah, I know. I'm just, I was being honest. I'm like, I'm challenged right now. I'm challenged. And he's like, we might not get another chance. He wouldn't let us pray for him because honestly, I felt in my spirit that he was afraid of clinging to hope. When, you, when you've been in that condition for so long, it's like you get to a point where you're like, I'm content to an extent with this. That And that jacked up worldview of God made me this way. Sorry, bro. Like God didn't give you polio. That's not from him. And, but he wouldn't, he wouldn't go there. And I just got the sense that it was if like, if I cling to hope and I lean out there on it and if nothing happens, it's going to kind of bring my house of cards tumbling down a little bit, you know, but I was really encouraged by my son. His faith was bigger than mine. Should have had him for him. Um, and that's powerful. And the, and then just another one. Guys, this is just, these are weeks, like the last the, the weeks leading up to this. This is not, this is supposed to be normal, you know. A neighbor, neighbor, little neighbor girl comes over and she's jumping on the trampoline. And dad comes over about 7.30 p.m. And he's, he's wearing a knee brace. I see it immediately. My daughter's sick. She's like, dad, you going to take care of that? I'm like, nope, Bowen, get over here. Bo prays for his knee and his knee gets healed. 
and he's like, he doesn't go to church, he's a believer, but he's just like, this is really weird. He probably said this is weird like five times. I'm like, that's the gospel, guys. Um, all right, one more, and then I'll shut up. This is just how cool God is when we're heads up on this stuff. I go for a run, and I'm running around Ottawa University. It's just kind of a loop I go. And uh, when I'm coming to one of the intersections, I see this girl, and I can tell she's an athlete. She's wearing a OU shirt, and she's walking to the same intersection. And she's wearing a, uh, I call it, a fracture boot. I'm like, get out of here. Like, this is a done deal. I, I already know. I know God enough to know that he's not going to set something up like this and he's not going to follow through with it, you know. I'm like, this is going to be good. So I'm talking to her, and it's it's getting easier to approach people because sometimes people are like, are they going to think I'm nuts? Um, but it's just like, hey, I saw your foot. You know, what's going on? And she shared with me. And I was like, might have I pray for you? She's like, no, absolutely. I was like, you a believer? And she's like, yeah. And uh, I just, Holy Spirit put it on my heart to start talking to her about sickness and, and it's not God's will and, and putting the garden into perspective and that that was his will and there wasn't a sickness, no disease, no none of that junk and when he said pray, praise it, pray heaven come to earth, you know, your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven, it's just like this is his will and all this stuff that we've been experiencing is not his will, all the trauma, all the junk is the enemy, it's the thief, he's an adversary and, and putting it into perspective and she starts crying. me and because the whole reason she was on the walk was because her grandpa just died of cancer her grandma just got diagnosed with cancer and she's had this stuff going on in her life and she was really battling with, with this and its faith and it's just because her perspective her understanding of who God was was just she'd been taught the wrong thing it's just like it's not our God and poor girl we ended up talking probably an hour on the sidewalk and uh, got the break for her foot found out a few days later she had to burn her boot for two days and, uh, that's what it's about he said go on all the world and make disciples and these things will follow those who believe they will cast out demons in my name they will lay hands on the sick and they will get well it's just like you have to be doing what it's called to stay it's scary it's nerve-wracking sometimes, but he backs it up. All we got to do is believe all over. It's just like, if you believe, if you believe in me, the works I will do. Nothing is impossible for those who believe. These things will follow those who believe. The problem is, is we have a whole bunch of unbelieving believers. And that's challenging. I was in that same boat. I was in a Bible study by myself, and the Holy Spirit hit me. It's just like, you say you believe this book, but if you really did, life would be different. It would look and it's just like, and he's just been leading me on that. And we've been going on that journey as a church. And I love the fact that when we have an altar call, there's people coming up almost every time. And it's just like, as a body, I was like, I don't want us to tolerate sickness and disease walking in here and walking out or injuries walking in here and walking out. People walking in here with addictions and walking out the same way that they came in. There's a whole lot of churches like that. We don't need any more churches like that. But it comes down to, you know, are we going to surrender? Are we going to chase after him with everything we got? Are we going to take his word at his word and stand out on it and go after this thing? Or are we going to see our circumstances and go, it's too big. Finances are tight. I don't have a job. I don't have a home. I don't have a car. I don't have fill in the blank. 
Are we going to let, like Peter did, are we going to let the circumstances of our environment dictate how we operate, or are we going to stand on his word and walk out in it because that's where the magic happens. That's where the miraculous happens. So, I'll suppress it, but I love you guys. All I can think about when he was talking about Bowen and Nachi, be like, you got to pray for him. That anytime a child speaks profound spiritual truth, <laughs> it erects me. You know, how often would we be more <clears throat> obedient if we understood the ramifications of our disobedience? But just have to understand, like, we have to pray for him. We may not get another chance. We might lose opportunity. He may be stuck like this forever. We don't pray for him. That is exactly why I encourage for a month before our fifth Sundays to come ready to embrace our children. Because sometimes they're open to listening and hearing God quicker than we are. We can learn from them. We can be challenged by them. We can be encouraged by them. We can be convicted through the Holy Spirit by them. Let's embrace it. Anybody else have a testimony something that God's been doing in your life the last few weeks or months you want to share? Ron again. All right. My, my little side note is, um, uh, you know, things that happen in our lives is not always about us. And and my cancer is not, I'm not sure that it was necessarily about me, but Donna goes with me to the doctor's office and is a wonderful young doctor. And um, we've been able to pray with this man. And Donna brings these Christian videos. She gives them to him. and But anyway, we've changed his personality a lot. And I think sometimes it's not about me, but it's about him. And maybe what was going on in his life. Uh, I know years ago, Donna had a job at Kmart back when Kmart was really big, you know, 25, 30 years ago. And she was a personnel manager in one of the big stores. And I think it was in Olathe, if I was right. But it's a very stressful job and one of the worst jobs she's ever had. And then uh, she'd be sitting up in bed at 3 o'clock in the morning working on the, the schedule for all these 180 people. But... But you know, during that time, she had the ability to bring these young girls into her office, set them down and pray for them. You know, and I know she changed a lot of lives, but you know, I'm glad she's not working there anymore. But you know, when we have these bad things going on in our lives, sometimes it's not us, it's about the people that we touch and the witness we are to them about what God's doing for us. We just praise God that He just walks with us every day. Amen. We see it in Scripture says that He brings beauty from ashes, and so when life's painful, we can just keep the uh, the perspective that God can use this and will use it for a powerful way if we let Him. Um, he'll turn it all around for our good, as long as we we walk in that obedience and trust Him to do it. Anybody else? testimony, something you want to share, give glory to God for what he's done in your life the last few weeks or months. My wife, come on. I always have things to share, but I really would rather not stand in front of people. That's 
<laughs> and talk in a mic. But then he was talking about it. I was like, okay, I got to piggyback off of this. Um, so for us financially, um, our circumstance has changed. And um, basically I just got a part-time job in the schools and I get to be helped as a lunch lady. <laughs> um, so I get to say hi to all these kids and feed them and you know, be their hero for a moment. <laughs> But um, I was thinking about what he mentioned and it's like, it's not about us and in that circumstance, but where God is placing you strategically. And although I would have never thought that I would end up as a lunch lady, I've been many things and I'm like, huh. I said, now what is this placement? And I'm not even thinking about the financial aspect of it because I'm seeing it as an opportunity to be into our community and to be able to see other people that I wouldn't normally get to see if I wasn't working there. And two days into working there, um, my one of my supervisors was telling me about her um, teenage grandson that she raises. She raises two of her grandson in her own home as her own, essentially. And she was telling me about some struggles with bullying that they've been going through and um, uh, the youth group that they've been going to and essentially that they're not really getting so much of a Christian education. It's just kind of a fun play day for the teenagers and they're not getting supervised and they're not being taught. Well, that brought up the subject of, oh, you have a youth group, what do you guys, oh, okay, what church, I know you mentioned you were a youth pastor, or not a youth, I'm sorry, mentioned you were a pastor because all the kids knew me. They're like, oh, the church lady, the church lady. And she's like, all of these little kids, and some of them go here and some of them don't, they just know us from different community events. So they know, they've seen me on this property, so they know me as a church lady. And I was like, I didn't realize I made such, I mean, they don't know my name, but they're like, oh, you're the church lady, hi. You give me candy and you give me goodies. So because of that, that opened the conversation with my supervisor. She's like, honestly, she's like, I'm not, she's like, I've been hurt by the church myself. She's like, I don't consider myself someone of faith. Um, and she's definitely a product of church hurt, but she's open to talking about it. But she's like, but my grandson, that's something that he, that's really important to him. And he's been going to such and such youth group and essentially has been being bullied at the youth group as well. But he's like, she's like, I don't want him to experience that kind of hurt, but it's important to him that he finds, um, he learns more about um, God. That's important to him but she's pulled him out of that youth group and is like, I want to find something for him. Now he hasn't come yet. And I just got to meet him the other day and he's a really awesome guy. I was like, I don't even know. I'm like, kids are so mean. I'm like, he's such a nice young man. But she's like, he tends to be a target because he's a has a different personality and such and such and such. He's just an easy target for people. But I love the conversation that we had that it was opening to her. She didn't realize what that was and she said it wasn't about her but she's i know a lot about her personal life now that i don't think people usually just share your whole life but um that's opened the door for her and then also for her grandson that hopefully um we'll be able to see him visit as well but anyways more it was the fact that he said it's not really about us but really about what god wants to do through us and in the circumstance so it's not really about us in our financial state but the fact that the jobs that we're able to get are connecting us to other people that we wouldn't normally be able to connect to. Um, so I'm just looking for opportunity and people to talk to. And it's already been, I've been there for a couple of weeks and I've already been able to have conversations with people that don't consider themselves people of faith 
and to hear my take on things and to be able to be open to that kind of stuff or teachings that they don't realize are godly teachings but <laughs> anything that I speak usually comes from that but anyways so that was why I wanted to piggyback the send was awesome an opportunity as well um, you know God is sending people although um, there's a shift in the church happening there's also a shift in the atmosphere as far as our community as well um, I have all, I have been able to encounter people in the community just talking to me about, I don't know, I mean, I guess <laughs> it's funny because I don't consider myself what, an extrovert. I'm more of an introvert. We were talking about this. I tend to be an extrovert um, out of necessity because people come talking to me and I'm like, oh, okay, I'm not going to be rude. I'm going to talk to you. <laughs> and people are like, you're just so welcoming. I'm like, am I? <laughs> I'm like, because I really see myself as an introvert and I'm like, I'll talk. I'm like, I won't be impolite, but just being able to find opportunities in our community to be able to um, serve people and be able to have that step in their lives. Because honestly, when you serve people, people are very quick to tell you about their lives and what is going on. And just being able to have someone to listen and to hear them out and to know that there's hope and something different out there. But anyways. Anyone else? Something that God's been doing in your life the last few weeks or months. Seth, you got another one? All righty. <laughs> so, uh, friend of mine, a real good friend of mine I, I lift with every day, does not believe in God. And I, I really feel not me, but God's been breaking through his armor. He's been using me because he doesn't see anybody else. Right? And he's not proclaiming Christ or anything yet. But it's going to happen. <laughs> Amen. Tell you what, the greatest testimony we can make is to speak prophetically to things that are not. It's a great testimony because what we do is we're looking at a mountain in our situation and we're looking at the word of God and we're saying this word is bigger than this mountain. You have to move. Not even that I want you to or I need you to, you have to move. You don't have a right to stay here. You're going to be gone. It will happen. He will know Jesus we are restored and will be mended. All these types of things, when you speak a situation prophetically, even if you don't see it yet, that's incredible testimony that you are standing on the word of God over the situation you see at hand. Anyone else? Any testimony you want to share, give God glory for? About breaking down the armor of somebody I was thinking about a, a patient I used to take care of in a medical facility and he was a biker and he'd had a wreck and he broke his neck and so he was quadriplegic. And you know, he had, you know, long hair and kind of the rough edges and stuff and his motorized thing, he'd go running up and down the hallway pretty fast. But he and I would have good conversations. We, you know, we connected and I listened and we chatted a lot. And he'd had a kind of a near-death experience where he would He's like, well, I'm not really afraid to die because he had that experience. But I kind of started, I dropped seeds, you know, about God and Christ and stuff. I, don't, I forget what I said, but I remember I dropped seeds. 
And over the period of several months, eventually I happened to see on the back of his wheelchair one day, it was new, it said the letters Bikers for Christ. And I said, oh, cool. Something must have changed in his world. So, I mean, he's, he's transitioned now, but you know, we had good conversations and I always kind of remember him fondly, you know, the good talks that we had. Amen. Amen. Anyone else? Alrighty. This year I started at the primary center as a para and um, I worked with a kid at the beginning of the year who was had a very violent streak. Um, he was very angry and didn't know how to, I don't want to say contain emotions, didn't know how to properly handle his emotions. Um, so I started working with him full time every day, all day in January when one of my friends left. And um, just the changes that I've seen in him taking this job last year, that was something I knew I wanted to do once Ava got into kindergarten. But taking it, I had no idea what what was gonna come. Um, my mom was a para for 30 years, so any take your kiddo to work day, I was there with her, so I knew of some. But noticing the anger in these children, oh, um, it, it just, it broke me this year. And I started praying over him, not with him. Um, but again, like Joy said, dropping little seeds. And um, eventually at the last day of school, um, he had not had a violent outburst in six months. Um, I taught him how to read. Um, it, it was just, it was an awesome transformation. So at, on the last day, he looked at me and he was very scared because he's going to the IC next year as a third grader. And he said, Miss Bree, will you pray over me? So I had lasted all day, not, not praying, or not crying, not praying, not crying. And as soon as he asked me that, I just lost it. And I'm like, you're gonna have to give me just a little bit to contain myself, to find the words or to be able to speak. So there, he's working in those. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Anybody else want to piggyback and piggyback and piggyback? No, does anybody else have a testimony? Something they want to give God glory for what he's been doing in their lives. <laughs> I'll say this. We, um, a few weeks back, we had a friend from college come down for a prayer for deliverance sessions. Something the enemy has been attacking him with and wanting freedom from. And um, sometimes when we have deliverance sessions, they get very boisterous and crazy. Um, other times, not so much. We were praying. We said, God, let this be pretty chill. Um, but one of the things that he was he was battling was that anybody ever have the problem of believing God to move mountains for other people, but not yourself? He had a hard time having faith for himself. And um, we wanted, it was on my heart that Lord wanted this, really felt like that session was going to go very quietly as far as some of the attacks through through deliverance, but I wanted him to be encouraged that God was moving. And so 
he's had pain in his knee and his back ever since some accidents he's had and we prayed for him and it was kind of one of those even as a believer he's like this is weird this is freaky i've prayed over this thing over and over and over again had people pray he's never been healed but by the end of the day he was squatting and he was trying to make his calf cramp and he would do just do that and he would just immediately do it and he was putting everything he could into it to make his calf cramp for the pain to come back and he couldn't make the pain come back and um one of the other problems was and he's a very open person but he uh tends to kind of be a little bit more cynical with a harder heart toward people I've told you guys before because he would openly share with our college director before he became a, a minister. He, he went to the altars one day and his pastor said, are you okay, Al? He said, no, I love God, but hate his kids. Um, there's a problem there. And he, 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 our director had deliverance of that that day, but my friend is kind of the same way. Loves God, but hates his kids. And he just has a hard time trusting people. And he shared on our Voxer group last week. And he's still having a hard time processing how to handle it because the fear of being vulnerable or the fear of being completely open or feeling things, of having a softer heart. When we prayed, we rebuked the heart of heart, the heart of stone, and there'd be a sensitive and raw heart again. And he said that he had an opportunity to pray for somebody last week and he prayed for him. He said, something weird happened. I started to feel for them started to feel for them God can do things that we can't do and I even want to say I encourage you that if you're praying over situations and you're not seeing God move you're not seeing the manifestations of his promises don't be discouraged don't be discouraged one of the last things that Jesus said to his his apostles even when they were up in the upper room still he, he when they're hiding away in fear he said blessed are you who believe can you see him, but even greater for those who believe and have not seen. We believe in him and haven't seen him, but there's times that, that belief has to continue when we haven't seen what he's doing in our lives yet. But I want to encourage you, and I hope that these testimonies encourage you that even when you're not seeing it, you're changing the atmosphere and you're changing people's lives and you're touching and shifting what's happening in their lives. That even if things aren't manifesting, even if things aren't showing, even if things aren't becoming evident in the moment, stone is breaking away from hearts and healings are taking place and mendings and reconciliations are happening Gino yeah bud what do you have somebody you get to, to, to pour to and to teach and to show how things and do it with Jesus, right? Do it with Jesus. Amen. Anybody else have a testimony that you want to share? All righty. I want to go ahead and Seth, can you uh, pass out the uh, communion? We're going to take communion this morning before we move into the word because one of the greatest testimonies we have is of the sacrifice that Jesus Christ made for us, right? The greatest testimony we as believers hold on to is that Jesus was the Son of God. He is the Son of God who left the place in heaven to come dwell among men, who humbled himself to a cross, who joyfully bared it, Scripture says, died on it for us, and rose again from the dead. So the greatest testimony we have to give is honoring Christ and giving testimony that I know him 
because he gave himself for me. So I want to take that as he's passing it out. I want to read here from 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 17. Paul is writing to the church of Corinth. And he says, but in the following instructions, I do not commend you. Because when you came together, it was not for the better, but for the worst. He's talking about how they're doing things selfishly and they're not doing things in the right heart. And I pray that as we do this, we do it in the right heart. That's why we testify first. Who knows that it's hard to give testimony and glory to yourself when you just got done giving praise to God. Amen. So we're not going to do this in a heart of selfishness. And he continues on to verse 23. And he says, for I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you. If that's not the greatest first start of any testimony ever, God gave it to me, so I gave it out. That's how testimonies start. God gave it to me, so I gave it to them. So for I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Do this as a testimony. In the same way, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you drink this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. As we take it, we give testimony of the death and the life and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So go ahead and open up this top layer of this wonderfully tasting, nutritious wafer. And I'm going to go ahead and uh, Anna, go ahead and pray over the, the wafer for us. Amen. Go ahead and take the wafer. Is Donna, you want to pray over the drink? Go ahead and take the drink. Amen. And the good news is, is I'm not saying we're dismissed yet because now we have the message. <laughs> so I uh, hope you guys are ready to dig in. Um, one thing I, <laughs> what's that? We were preaching. Now we got another message to preach. I love, I love this. And I want to challenge. Like, I know it's easy and hard to start feeling uncomfortable or to feel like we have a timeline of things to, to encounter. But I want to encourage you that soak in the time in the presence of God. Thank you. Soak it in. Place, place these moments in your highest priority as much as possible. Um, we don't want to just take your time to take it. We want to redeem it. We want to honor it. We want to give it to God and allow him to do with it what he will. Amen. Our time is, 
is pretty short, but we have an eternity to come. And if we can use our time to sow into eternity, other into other uh, instead of other things, we're going to find a much better return on it. So um, appreciate the grace and the the patience. And if you don't have grace or patience, keep that to yourself. <laughs> We're going to go ahead and turn to Acts chapter 5. We're in verse 33. We're continuing through our series. Last week was officially our one year since we started this journey through Acts that God has called us to. And we are two sermons away from entering into Acts chapter 6. Um, this has been a fun ride for me, and I love it. But what we find ourselves today is that the Pharisees have caught the apostles yet again, Peter and John yet again, preaching about Jesus after being strongly ostracized to not preach or teach in his name. They've caught them yet again, preaching to crowds about Jesus, healing through Jesus' name. And they become frustrated and indignant. They pulled him in again and, and they, they told him, they're like, we've told you not to do this. We've rebuked you. We've told you not to teach. And their response was very gracious and loving. They said, we're not supposed to listen to you, but God. And uh, challenged them thinking. That's where we find ourselves because they got done not just telling them like hey listen we don't listen to you we listen to God not only that but you killed Jesus so take a back seat on this one okay and then and, and understandably the righteous elite became frustrated where we find ourselves in verse 33 so it says when they the the Pharisees and the right religious elite heard this they were enraged and wanted to kill them being the apostles but a Pharisee in the council named Gamaliel, a teacher of the law held in honor by all the people, stood up and gave orders to put the men outside for a little while. So we're in a tough place. They've taught, they've preached, they've been rebuked. Now they're angry. They want to kill the apostles. And Gamaliel stands up. And he said to them, men of Israel, take care what you're about to do with these men. And otherwise, slow down and be smart. For before these days, Theudas rose up, claiming to be somebody. And a number of men, about 400, joined him. He was killed, and all who followed him were dispersed and came to nothing. After him, Judas the Galilean rose up in the days of the census and drew away some of the people after him. He too perished, and all who followed him were scattered. So, in this present case, I tell you, keep away from these men. Let them alone, for if this plan is... Um, let them alone for if this plan or this undertaking is of man it will fail but if it's of God you will not be able to overthrow them you might even be found opposing God so they took his advice this morning if you're taking notes the title is simply what side of the battle are you really on what side of it are you really on I read this and and I, I, I see a group of men who are zealously and passionately, albeit extremely deceived and confused, pursuing, honoring God with all that they are. The Pharisees, Sadducees, the religious elite, all they're doing is trying to honor God with all that they are. And I as I'm reading this, I'm just seeing so often the church today. We are zealously and passionately and fervently trying to honor God with all we are. But if we come to a place where we're doing it in a misplaced way, 
Because in, in their doing so, they find themselves on the opposing side of God. Has there been times in our lives that we have fervently pursued a thing for God just to realize that we were on the opposing side? We ever found ourselves opposing God, thinking that we were in alignment with Him, in cooperation with Him? And that's what today's message and challenge is, is about through this scripture. I want us to, to ask that question. And, and if it's one of those questions that you find yourself like wearing on a wrist bracelet, like the old WWJD things, if you can wear it on your heart that you stop in each moment of your day, ask yourself, am I really on the cooperating side of Jesus right now? What side of the battle am I, am I really on? What side of this thing am I am I operating in? So I want to break that down. The, the first question we need to ask ourselves, are we, are we opposing God? Are you on the opposition end of Jesus? I think at times it's, it's easy to get there and not realizing it because we become excited, we become passionate, we become fervent. And as people, we like to create patterns, right? We do. We, we find patterns because if, if we find a pattern, we know how to predict what to do next. Do you know when you walk down a staircase, you only look at the first couple steps? You don't have to watch the rest of the way. Why? Because your body has memorized the pattern of the step. And then you come across that really old school basement step that's like half the distance. And you're like, whoa, why? You weren't watching the step. You knew the pattern. We do this without thought in our lives. It's how we're wired and we create patterns. So what we do is we see God move in our lives in a situation where we see a revival take place or we see freedom take place and we begin to treat the breakthrough as a pattern. And we say, well, because we did this, 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 and this, God moved. You've heard me say this before. It wasn't the this, 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 and this. If you think that, then that's a religious mindset. You're trying to control and dictate how God moves. It wasn't the this, 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 and this that moved God. It was your obedience. It was your obedience that opened up the doorway for God to move in your life. It was never what you did. It was why you did it. And when we look at our situations, we often find ourselves fervently, passionately, just like these leaders trying to honor God. But we find ourselves on the opposition because we have started limiting him into a religious rule instead of a free obedience. Are you opposing God? We need to understand in this that our desires to honor God can quickly place us in opposition to God. How? How, how does that happen? We see here in verse 39, this says, but if it is of God, you will not be able to overthrow them. You might even find yourself opposing him. We do this so often because God moves in a way that we don't anticipate or expect. God can't. Whoa, whoa, whoa. It, it can't work that way. It can't work that way. Last time, God used a two to make a hundred. He can't use a three. It, the math doesn't line up. It's not what God does. It's not how he works. And we begin to create this, this box of control that we earnestly and fervently try to protect him and honor him. But what we honestly start doing is protecting and honoring the moment. And we protect and honor the experience instead of the God. We have to be careful that our desires to honor him don't place us in opposition of him. That we don't allow ourselves to be so gung-ho on our fervency that we come in unalignment. I think of the sons of thunder. 
they become angry and, and frustrated with, with the Samaritans because they dishonor Jesus. He said, give us the word, we'll call down fire from heaven and burn them all up. We'll do it now. And they're excited, they're ready, right? They're cracking knuckles. <laughs> Say the word, Jesus. We're on it. <laughs> Let them burn. And they're, they're excited and they're ready because they're honoring Jesus. Nobody speaks to Jesus like that. But in their fervency and in their excitement to honor, they placed themselves in opposition with the Jesus they were walking with. We have to be careful not to do that. There's many ways we can, but there's two that really were highlighted in my heart and my spirit that I feel like really can encompass most of them that I want us to, to, to focus on today. And the first one is, is that we need to understand that we oppose God when we attempt to honor him without wisdom. If you try to honor God without wisdom, you are going to put yourself in opposition to him. Colossians 2a says this, see to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit, according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. So when we try to operate from our own created wisdom, our own manly knowledge, our own spiritualism, we remove ourselves from godly wisdom. We can't do that because scripture says that we become captive at that moment. When we're captive, we are opposing the freedom that Christ has given us. Proverbs 14, 16 continues on. It says, one who is wise is cautious and turns away from evil, but a fool is reckless and careless. When we begin to try to honor Christ without the wisdom that we're given, try to honor God without the wisdom he gives us, his wisdom, we find ourselves operating very carelessly. We operate very, very uncontrollably and that's a problem because we know that one of the fruits of the spirit is self-control right and so often when we don't have wisdom operating in our back pocket with us we toss self-control to the wind and we begin to just go with the wind wherever it blows scripture even corrects us many times it says you're like a reed who's blown in the wind we lose our foundation we lose our firmness we lose our sure-footedness and we begin to just get tossed away and around when we operate with foolishness outside of wisdom. We have to be careful not to allow ourselves to become opposing to Christ because of the bondage that we allow ourselves to walk back into. We can't do it. We can't do it. We can't go in without a plan. <laughs> we can't go in without, without a purpose. I love it because Tim and I are very different. You know, he talks about his, his cop background he's very controlled and, and and wants a plan for everything i'm like let's just go in <laughs> what's going guns blazing what's the worst that can happen what's 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 the worst that can happen and then i play a game like halo or call of duty and i'm dead in 30 seconds i'm like that could happen um without a plan and a structure and a purpose in the right place in the right situation you operate in a dangerous place foolishly and it will cost you everything we can't do that. We can't operate foolishly when it comes to spirit in our warfare. It's why we, we don't have the victories in our lives that we so often need. Scripture tells us, and you've heard it over and over again, that my people perish from lack of knowledge, from a lack of wisdom, a lack of understanding. When we don't operate with this information of Christ in our lives, we walk into death. Then we walk into a perishing mode. Why aren't we having the victories that the Word of God promises us? Because we're not seeking the knowledge and wisdom in it. We have to operate with wisdom or else 
we're not honoring him. We're actually walking in opposition with him. The second thing we need to understand is that when we, we oppose God, when we attempt to honor him in our flesh, anybody know that if you want to honor God and you want to do it your way, you're not honoring him, right? When I tell my kids to do something, they're like, yeah, 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 I'm going to do it my way. No, no, no. <laughs> no, no, no. Your way is horrible. <laughs> That's why I want you to do it my way. Your way, your way stinks. <laughs> your way is bad. Do it my way. When we try to honor God our way in our flesh and flight, Scripture goes on and says that there's a way that seems right to man, but it's in his destruction. When we do it our way, in our wisdom, in our flesh, it doesn't honor God. It puts us in opposition against him. Galatians 5, 16 through 21, it says, But I say, walk in the spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Why? For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit, and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing what you want to do. We can't do both. We can't honor the flesh and the spirit. Can't do it. So when we operate from the flesh, we're automatically opposing God and all that he is. They keep us from doing what we want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now, the works of the flesh are evident. I just want to make sure we understand what it looks like when we try to honor Jesus with our flesh. Probably a good thing to know, right? Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry. Let's make that one really simple. Anything that we exalt above God and his truth. Anything that we believe above what his word has told us is idolatry. Sorcery, enmity, strife. If you're in strife against people and situations. Jealousy. If you find yourself jealous of what other people are experiencing. Fits of rage. Rivalries. You try to have to beat that person next to you. Dissensions and divisions. If you're constantly quarreling and divisive against people. Envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. When we operate in the flesh, we are sternly taking a stance of opposition against Christ. We are sternly taking a stance of opposition against God and the kingdom of God. We cannot expect to walk in the spirit and the reward and the promise of Christ if we are trying to honor him in our flesh. Can't be done. Our flesh disgusts him. It appalls him. It's disgusting. And we try to bring it to him in a way that honor him. The only way our flesh honors Christ is when we lay it down crucified at the feet. The only way, the only way he'll take our flesh and be honored by it is when we have crucified and laid it at him. But if we try to carry and we try to operate and we try to honor him from a place of fleshly actions and thinking and wisdom, it will always place us in opposition to the king. It always places in opposition on the battlefield. We'll think that we're honoring him. We'll think that we're zealously pursuing him. We'll think that we're doing the right thing. We'll think that we're creating the right rules and the right guidelines to protect holiness and purity. But it becomes so much about our own righteousness becomes so much about our own wisdom and our own esteem that it's no longer become about him we have to make sure that we are honoring him not through our flesh not through our wisdom we have to make sure we're cooperating with him which is the second point or not only are we we have to wonder if we're opposing god but then we have to ask are we cooperating with god seems fair that there's not three sides to a battle right you're either operating with him or against him. 
That's how it, how it works. And so when we, when we come to this conclusion, we have to ask and challenge ourselves and say, God, am, am I opposing you or am I operating with you? Am I cooperating with you? And as I look in the scripture, I've, I see clearly that the way that we can cooperate with God is that we have to be persuaded to do so. We have to be persuaded. Persuaded. We see in Acts 5.39, it says, So they took his advice. That word took means to be persuaded of. I don't know about you, but before I knew Jesus, I wanted everything that was contrary to Jesus. I was opposed to him. When Jesus came presented to my corner, when he met me at the battlefield, I was opposed to him. Very strongly opposed to him. I was living a life that wanted to do what I wanted to do. It was full of the desires of the flesh. That's who I was. So when Jesus came, I had to be persuaded to cooperate with him. None of us just chose to lay down our weaponry and to cooperate with Jesus without a persuasion. None of it happened. We all had to hear the gospel. We all had to hear about this God man who laid it all down. We all had to be shown the love and the mercy and the grace of the Father. We all had to be persuaded. If we want to cooperate with God in this battle, we have to be persuaded. And it takes place in a few different ways. First of all, we cooperate with God when we're persuaded by His Word. We have to be persuaded by His Word. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17 says this, All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be competent, equipped for every good work. Are you persuaded of that truth? Are you persuaded that the word of God is your sole answer for everything you encounter in this life? Are you persuaded that the word of God is truth and truth alone? Are you persuaded that the word of God is not just a suggestive counsel, but a command of nothing but truth? Are you persuaded that there's no other way to live? Are you persuaded that there's no other way to the Father? Are you persuaded that you are nothing aside from the wisdom and the truth of God? Are you persuaded of it? A lot of us read that and we hear and we're like, amen, until we have to start making choices in our day-to-day life and our choices oppose what the Word of God says. You can't convince me let alone the Father, who is much wiser than I am, that you are persuaded of the truth of the power of His Word if His Word is not dictating every choice you make. We have to be persuaded by it. We have to be persuaded by His Word. I've told you before that the word faith is the word paistis. It means to be convicted of truth. If you are not convicted of the truth of the Word of God in an area of your life, you don't have faith that God is God in that area of your life. You don't have faith that God can overcome in that area of your life. That's truth. We have to be convicted and persuaded by his word. This week, I read a study. Has anybody ever heard of the Barna Group? Barna does a lot of like uh, surveys. They're faith-based, but they do a lot of surveys across the faith world and even across the secular world regarding their perception of the church. They do a lot of studies and it's great for the church to look at to say, hey, this is where we're kind of falling short or hey, this is where we're missing it. And I read one of these this week and it broke my heart. 
It broke my heart because I've seen a decline in the church holding to its convictions, right? How many churches we have now that call evil good in the name of Jesus? It's okay as long as you have grace. It's okay as long as you believe in Jesus. It doesn't matter what you do. And we let go of conviction. We let go of truth of the word of God because somebody's feelings were more prominent to you. That is what we're talking about. Are we so challenged and so persuaded by the word that it doesn't matter what you feel. If it's not the word of God, you know you're wrong. You know you're wrong. I was talking this week and I was talking about my finances because we're having challenges and some of it God is challenging me to sow even when we don't have it. And he's telling me to do these things and it's hard to do because it doesn't make sense. And I had to be honest. I said, listen, I know what the word says, but I apparently don't have faith that it's true yet because I'm not doing it. I can't argue and say I'm a pastor and I've read it and I know it's true and say it must be and I'm good. If I'm not doing it, what good is it? If we're not operating with active faith in the Word of God, we're not persuaded by it. It's no good to us. It's no good to us. If we don't put feet to the Word of God, if we don't put action to it, it's not been transformative in our lives. So I'm reading this, this survey this week and it breaks my heart because I'm seeing this decline in the church anyway. And it gives me understanding of this decline. It makes sense to me, but I hated to admit that it was true. And it says this, the world has quit being persuaded by the word to this extent. They did a survey among pastors, not AG pastors, not it's all pastors. They didn't give every pastor in the U.S., but they went to a large area and they spread it out and asked several pastors, different denominations all over the U.S. They surveyed them. From that survey, 67% of pastors testified to not having a biblical worldview. The way they looked at the world, the way they lived their life amongst the world was not dictated by the truth of the Word of God. It was dictated by what they felt. It was dictated by emotions. It was dictated by what they saw. It was dictated by what other people felt. Dictated by what they heard. It wasn't through the word. They weren't persuaded by the word of God. They weren't convicted that this is the truth and this alone. You heard me say it, Francis Chan. I love the quote. If I ever disagree with the word of God, I have to assume what? I'm wrong. That's all there is to it. I'm wrong. He's not. And the moment my belief system challenges what his word says, I'm out of line. We have to correct it. We have to make sure that we are persuaded by his word. That's how we cooperate with God. The other way we cooperate is we cooperate with God when we are persuaded to repent. The scripture, I'm going to read it, but the scripture is heard everywhere at the beginning of the pandemic. Every church and Christian in America posted this on their Facebook wall 375 times in two months. 2 Corinthians 7, 13 and 14. When I shut up the heavens that there is no rain or command the locusts to devour the land or send pestilence among my people, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, forgive their sin and heal their land. And they're posting, they're like, repent sinner. And I'm like, he's talking to the church. You repent church. You repent. He's not talking to the world. We, we want the lost to have a Christ-like standard. 
They can't do that if we're not living it. They can't do that if we're not sharing it. They can't do that if we're opposing God at every step we take because we're too prideful to repent. We are called to repent. And we have been so quick to point at a sinful world and say, you repent to know Jesus. And it's true, they need to. But how are they going to follow the example of a prideful and misplaced church that's been unwilling to repent of their shortcomings? I've got Jesus on my back. I'm good. He's apparently a constant dry erase marker that just wipes everything I do away at the moment without me ever having to repent. I got Jesus. And he'll lovingly hold my hand straight to hell if I don't repent. We are called to repent. I've been so good at pointing fingers. And I've loved the illustration, but let's do it. Let's just have some fun. Point a finger forward. Everybody point a finger forward. How many fingers are pointed back? We ignore those three. This one looks really good. We ignore the three. We need to be quick to humble ourselves. We need quick to reflect on ourselves. We need to be quick to challenge ourselves, to quick and be like David and say, search me, O Lord. See if there's anything within me that's unpleasing to you. And if there is, repent of it. We're called to repent. The other way that we cooperate with God is when we are persuaded to reflect godliness. Can I tell you, if we repent every day of our lives, but we never look like Jesus to our world around us, we've still missed it. We're still not cooperating. I know I'm close with somebody when I start to do or say the things they do and say, right? Anybody ever have that friend in your life where it's like all of a sudden, the dumb mannerisms they have in quirks, you start finding yourself doing? It happens. We start reflecting the people that are closest to us. Like ever since I married my wife, I started getting prettier. We start reflecting, yeah. Record that. Um, but we pick up on the mannerisms of the people we are closest to. And so if we are truly close to Christ, we will begin to reflect the character and the nature of Christ. That's what we're called to do. So if we can walk around every day and saying, Lord, I'm repentant. Lord, I'm persuaded this word is true. I'm just not going to act like you. We're still in opposition of him. Because if we don't reflect Christ, we're reflecting our father in this world, which scripture says is Satan. We have to reflect the Father we serve. We're going to reflect the Father we serve. So if we want to cooperate with Christ, we have to be persuaded to reflect godliness. Galatians 5, 23 through 25, after he gets done talking about the desires of the flesh, he goes on, he says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Other scriptures say long-suffering. That one sounds more fun, doesn't it? I sure do love that long suffering. And so we, we avoid it like the plague because it sounds horrible. It doesn't sound fun. No, thank you, Jesus. But it's what we're called to. We're called to have the fruit of our Father. We're called to eat what He eats. We're called to be who He is and speak what He says. And if we ever get to a place where we refuse to reflect these things in our lives and to ref reflect them purely, because who knows, a lot of people in this world believe they reflect love. But it's not love. They reflect a perverseness that just accepts anything and everything without calling it to the table. We have to reflect godly-natured fruit. And if we're not reflecting Him, we're opposed to Him. That's what we're called to. If we're going to cooperate with God, I'm going to have you come up here, Tim, and worship team. We're going to close out. 
three things. We're persuaded by his word. We're persuaded to repent. We're re persuaded to reflect his, his godliness, his nature. Otherwise, we find ourselves in opposition. And as we close, I just want to leave with this last exhortation. It's the same exhortation that Gamaliel left with the Pharisees and the religious elite. Take care. Take care. Take care of what you're about to say and do to these men. Take care about what your next action is going to be. What is he saying? That word is simply saying this. Take great concern and caution. Don't move quickly. Think about it. Process it. Hold on to what you're about to do. Hold on to what you're about to say. The efforts you're about to make. Process them carefully. Guide them. The word actually means to be like the guide in a ship. Be careful not to wreck it. Don't ruin this thing. Slow down. Take care. Take caution. Otherwise, you may find yourself opposing God.